welcome to another episode of the Rooted In podcast. Today we are absolutely filled to the brim, perhaps overflowing, maybe, with art. Uh, we wanted to kick off season two with kind of a, I don't know, a little more fun topic, I guess, um, a little more expressive and, and kind of a, um, a way that or seems more obviously expressive, colorful, exciting. Um, so our whole, our whole goal of today is talking about how to be rooted in art, how to connect your language arts to art, art to your language arts, however, whatever order you want to put that in, I guess. The whole point is that, that connection. Um, so I figured we'll talk a whole lot about that today. Um, I'm Claire. I'm joined by Tracy today. Hi, everyone. And we can just jump right in, I guess. So where do you want to start? Well, let's talk about what art is to begin with. What defines art? Seems what like defines it. art? <laughs> uh, people struggle with this. You, you, well, you we, struggle with saying it. Right? So. <laughs> we, we could go on for a long time. <laughs> what is art? Um, and the truth is, you know, for most of us, you know it when you see it. <laughs> True. And that is part of the definition. If you think it's art, it's art for you. <laughs> but what for our purposes today in talking about adding art into your language arts. I think that what art is, is anything that purposefully expresses what you want to say. Hmm. You know, it's, it's in some artistic fashion. Right, right. Which there, once again, you're already adding like a loose extra yeah, right, <laughs> right. addition. Well, you know, you can express what you want to say with writing, which is of course an art form. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're talking about a visual art form, like gotcha. drawing or painting. Gotcha. Or, sculpting or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so I guess that what goes along with that is in defining then what art is, you start to define what an artist is, mm -hmm. um, which I guess would be continuing with that, extending to the person who then creates something intentionally, right? Or is it, right. Or yes. Yes. Intending to express something through whatever that artistic medium might be. Right. And right away where you start to get snagged when you're talking about, um, everybody being able to add art into language. Mm -hmm. People get concerned immediately. Oh, but I'm not good. Mm -hmm. I'm not a good artist. <laughs> I can't draw. I can't whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it's really irrelevant to our, again, to our purposes. For right. Trying to increase the depth and reach of your language arts right. by folding art into that. You don't need to be a good artist. You need to be intentional. You need to work more solidly on expressing yourself, yeah, the, for expressing what it is you want to say, right, and and obviously there are ways that if you practice what is considered art, you practice drawing, you practice painting, you practice whatever that might be, you are going to, in theory, become better at expressing sure. something. Sure. But like you said, it's not a prerequisite, right? This isn't art school. You're not learning precisely how to render something in pencil or how to create a sculpture. It's not about that, but it is about the active application of thought and, yes. and, and a way in which that then manifests, which yes. just happens which, to be. There's a phrase I love. Art, art, art creates a focused learning opportunity. Nice. I'm going to draw this picture for some purposes, and we'll talk in a little bit about what some of those purposes mm -hmm. might be. Um, and just doing that creates a focused learning opportunity. Which I feel like we should probably kind of talk about what that phrase all by itself means. Um, 
that focused obviously being being contained to whatever it is you're working on and you know when you have kids or work with kids um, it's really immediately obvious that focus isn't always high on the list of things <laughs> and you're like yeah let's let's stay focused I don't know how many times that phrase might come out of my mouth but um, but if you give a child something to work on where they enjoy it too and it's kind of an added extra bonus but something where there might be some level of instruction some level of um, goal or outcome mm -hmm. that well, can help them stay stay focused to be really keyed in on what they're actively doing in that moment right we kind of moved into you know why bother why, right, why right, should right. I do this and and what what you're saying is exactly what we try to do with all kinds of things in rooted in language mm -hmm. and that is art creates a product right there's something you're producing through this learning that you're trying to do right and and every time you create a product it's it's a focusing element mm -hmm. to what you're doing mm -hmm. and and when when we say create a product we don't we're not talking about you're taking popsicle sticks and building a ship you know, Which is, although that is very that fun is to do. But, but, I mean, it doesn't have to be a big yeah, It's not like a capital P product, yeah. right? It's not this huge, right. big event. Um, a, writing a paragraph is a product that right. you've created. Drawing a, a character representation is a product you've created. Mm -hmm. So the purpose, the, the value of creating a product, and that's what you were getting at, mm -hmm. is is it, I liken it to, as an adult, if you've ever walked into a meeting where there isn't an agenda. It's like my worst nightmare. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, you may get a few things done and, and you might accomplish something, you might not, but you're gonna flounder around, right. you're going to take more time, mm -hmm. you're gonna waste a lot of time. Afterwards, you might not even be able to say, you know, so what was your meeting about? Um, uh, well, um, <laughs> don't yeah. really know. But if you've got a nice, pinpointed agenda, mm -hmm. you know, your odds of actually achieving something are much higher. Sure. So that, that, that creating focus. a product is kind of like having an agenda mm -hmm. to your meeting. Mm -hmm. Now you've got a focused learning opportunity. I feel like probably at this point we should say though that that, that isn't to say that every single time you're doing art or even every single time you're doing art that might be connected to some kind of learning, that doesn't mean everything is carefully regimented right. or has a very explicit set of instructions well, or sometimes no. it can just be for fun right yeah because sometimes sometimes the whole goal sometimes your agenda is to just entertain yourself or right. to entertain other people and and so you i feel like there's there's a risk of if you're like oh i must have a goal i must have a focused learning opportunity i must have this agenda um you can get stuck on well this whole like we want them to be able to be free and express everything um, that they might want to express with like the crayon and paper and they're just going crazy with all kinds of colors. Um, so it's kind of, sometimes you're more on that end of stuff, sometimes you're more on the, it is a little more hyper in that we do have a list of instructions that we're mm -hmm. following very carefully. But I guess more what we're talking about here is kind of a, a big overview looking at how this works across, or being applied to any of that on that spectrum of um, or the scale rather from really really focused really really intense connections and in art and rules and no rules or no laws about what you're doing um, and that anywhere along that bridge 
we can have kind of what we're talking about here, this application of that, and, and why it's useful at any point along that system. Right. Um, for one reason, why another reason, I should say, why art is useful in your language arts program is that it automatically creates a multi-sensory learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, in addition to be, being a focused one, yeah. it's also huh. multi-sensory. So many learning opportunities. Exactly. <laughs> so like there's a reason we do this. Yeah, so anytime you can tap into multiple areas of the brain, mm -hmm. you stand to touch something in a, in a student you know, that, that maybe trips a deeper understanding of mm -hmm. what you're doing. Um, you also tend to relieve boredom, yes. uh, particularly in things that require a lot of repetition. Repet yeah, and I want to come back to that, I think, that, or just talk about just, it now, I guess. Yeah, we don't have to come back to it. Here we are. Um, in, with the kinds of students that we typically see, they have um, a lot of reading and writing struggle, which means that they might be doing more repetition in an area and need to be and need to more. be doing yeah more repetition in an area than maybe a, a typical reader or writer might require in that same area um and it can be really hard after a while of you as the teacher or the parent know yeah okay my kid needs to keep practicing you know their handwriting through learning cursive and they're not loving it, um, but we figured out that this is the best thing for us to do at this moment, um, and it's kind of a swimming laps situation, and it's really boring. Right, you're and, building muscle. Yeah. You, know, you want to become a competitive swimmer. You want to be able to be in the water with right. people who can really swim. You're going to have to swim laps. Right. And, and it, it's boring. It happens all over the place. No matter what angle you're coming from or... Um, or what you're trying to learn at some point, and actually it's true across the board, you know, any type of learner, any age, at some point, if you're trying to learn something, you'll reach that swimming lap stage of, now it's time I just have to buckle down and do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Ad nauseum. Right. Until it's truly ingrained. Automatic. It's automatic. Yeah. Um, but if you've ever experienced something that, like, uh, I feel like learning music is one that comes up a lot as a good example of like the playing your scales and doing your your etudes book and your right. um I well, bad, you know, if you're bad memories the, yeah, <laughs> the finger exercises yeah. you know um and after a while you're like well why can't i just sit down and play chopin and why you know why can't i play some fun <laughs> i don't know claire why can't you just sit down and play chopin <laughs> <laughs> but i want to um so part of adding art to the language side of learning, not the music side of learning, but um, helps break up that you are still practicing, you are still running over these same skills, you're, you're running over spelling skills, you're running over um, just sort of, um, what's the word I want, stamina in writing mm -hmm. skills. You know, mm -hmm. if you can only write one sentence, how do we work to build you up to be able to write an entire paper? I mean, those mm -hmm. are hugely Yeah, now let, let's, let's take a moment here to say, um, you may be confused if you're listening to this, like, okay, now you're talking about writing, but we were talking about art. Mm. Where's that? Yeah, so that's, that's where I was headed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that would be the place of if you're working on those practicing those moments over and over again that are these writing or reading practices, adding art into that can help break up some of the monotony, but still give you the opportunity to practice. So 
you can make stuff a little um, different and it become it can become more interesting or more exciting again right. just because it's different. Another value of adding art. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I was trying. Different. Yeah, kind of getting back to that, like it can break up that boredom idea um, just by throwing some some spice in in mm -hmm. a new way. And we offer a product. Um, we call it Explore a Story. Mm -hmm. um, that's available on Amazon, or it's available as a download on our website. Mm -hmm. uh, and it walks you through how to draw a character, any character. It could be the main character, it can be the bad guy, it can be yeah. um, you know, a side character that particularly interests the student reading a story. Um, so you draw that character and then it walks you through some evaluation to help both your drawing and add elements into your drawing. And eventually, uh, and you're doing bits and pieces of writing in this journal while you're drawing and creating this character. You're right. And it, it secretly gets you to analyze. <laughs> it's sneaky. It's very sneaky. <laughs> gets you to analyze your character and eventually through this drawing and the various things you add to it, you come to theme. Right. So you start to understand the theme of your story all through what initially seems like might even be a stick figure drawing mm -hmm. of a character. Right. right. And you've done bits and pieces of writing along the way, which is a very powerful tool. Right. Which is, and that's all that multi-sensory approach really, really coming through there where we attacked the story analytically from a writing perspective and then we attacked the story analytically from a drawing perspective. Mm -hmm. And whether or not either of those feel analytical is, is up for debate and kind of depends on the student and depends on the conversation you've built up around it. But either way, you're approaching it from these two different avenues. And the result is, is richer for having done both. That one can stand alone. You can certainly analyze something strictly through writing about it and talking about it, you know, or just writing about it. Mm -hmm. You can strictly analyze something just by doing a bunch of drawings about it. Mm -hmm. um, and and let's, let's pause there for a moment to say that when you go to do a drawing, even if it's at the stick figure level, right. which is perfectly acceptable, oh, yeah. you need to be... there. <laughs> There's this thing that goes on in people's heads when they pick up a pencil and start to draw. And this is true of people who perceive that they cannot draw a straight line, as people like to say, though that's notoriously difficult to do. Um, and people who actually consider themselves to be artists might have this same problem, and that is the inner critic. Right. So the entire time you're drawing, you're going, this face doesn't look anything like how I wanted it to look. Mm. Oh, I can't draw hands. I hate hands. Oh, these legs are too long. They're too long. What do we do about that? You know, no, so no, this is this is a bad conversation because I'm getting like flashbacks. I mean, this is <laughs> this is my day to day. But, but by part of your job in in folding some of this art into your language arts is to defeat that inner critic. Turn it off. You don't need it. It's not doing a darn thing for you. It has nothing to do with how well you're expressing an idea. Right. Not how well you're doing your drawing, but how well your drawing is expressing your inner idea, which in this case is about who is my character. Right, right, right. You know, so you need to replace that inner critic dialogue with things like, what kind of mood is my character usually in? Oh, my character's angry at the world. Mm -hmm. Huh. So their face is going to look angry. So even if I'm drawing a round circle, that represents my head, I can do straight lines for the mouth and the eyebrows and I and two little dots for the eyes. I don't even have to put a nose on there. And I can <laughs> represent angry. Right. 
And and that's one of the things Explorer Story right. provides so I, yeah, too. So I want to put, I wanna put a pin in the, in the sort of stick figure representation yeah, idea. Right, right. Um, but going back to the inner critic conversation, I think that, I mean, we could spend hours just talking about the idea of an inner critic. Right. <laughs> so and, I mean, and, you can dedicate a lot of time Particularly about conquering it. Oh but, my gosh. But replacing that vocabulary, that I can't do this, this sucks kind of thing, with... Mm -hmm. Okay, what am I? What do I want to focus on? Where's my positives here? Right. Which it, I I don't want people to to listen and think that okay we have one conversation and then it's magically better. Uh, first of all, I don't think anyone would think that. If you've ever listened <laughs> or heard your inner critic yelling at you, you know that that sitting down and going okay I'm I'm gonna replace your negativity with some positive pick me up comments. Like you know it doesn't happen overnight, um, but. What can start to happen in building some of these habits that you're building by adding art into what you're doing is it art tends to bring the critic to the forefront, which is one of its major flaws, <laughs> one of art's big, big setbacks, is it, it brings your critic front and center for whatever reason. Um, so you can start to build this habit of the more I am opening myself to having that be true, to having the critic appear, the more I can actively fight some of the, mm -hmm. the negativity that's coming out of it. And ultimately, it's kind of, it, now you're talking about building life skills, which is cool, yes. which is a neat extension, and we might go into this a little bit more later, of adding art is that some of the life skills that really can come out of this connection. But this is a huge one, that at no point in your life will you be criticism free. That's just not a thing. Right. Um, and. We can get more into this if we want, or it can be its own thing. We can let that go. But criticism has a purpose. Right. I mean, it, it exists right. for a reason, but the, the real neat aspects of critiquing and of really thinking about what you're doing or what other people are doing is the growth that can come out of it. It's not being told that you did something that sucks. That's not a cool part. <laughs> That's the worst part. Um, but really reaching something and growing from an experience you're having by thinking a lot about it, by having practiced having real productive dialogue with your own inner critic by going, you know what? My inner critic says that these hands are bad looking because I can't draw hands. But like you were saying, okay, let's let's talk about what I did do right, what I right. do like about right. it, how so I can if, improve. If my hands have failed, what, what went right with what I did? Yeah. Oh, well, I have my character holding a book because my character is a serious reader so right. they wouldn't be caught dead out in the world without a book in their hand right now look at the analysis you've just done about that character and and so this is a positive about your drawing because you, after all as we started with this whole thing this is not about gosh I'm I'm suddenly gonna be in the Louvre next week because I'm working on my art <laughs> skills this is about I'm working on my analytical skills, mm -hmm. and I'm doing it through studying character in a new way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with that whole idea in mind of replacing or at least switching the order that that inner critic dialogue is happening, of going, you know what, before <clears throat> I get to really laying into myself about what a poor job I just did, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I'm going to first say, these are the things I did right. This is the benefits of what I did. And, and this is how I can improve on this in the future, which is a much more productive conversation Absolutely. than going, golly gee, I'm terrible. Like mm -hmm. that, you know, that does not help anybody, least of all you. Um, 
So it's really uh, building yourself up and building your own confidence in having those kinds of conversations is a huge part of putting art into anything you do. <laughs> I mean, forget language, right. put it everywhere. <laughs> art, art, and art and math, art and science, art and language arts. Okay, let's, let's talk a minute about um, how we think and how kids think. Um, and I'm talking about two major differences in the way our brains perceive the world around us. So some of us are naturally concrete thinkers. Mm -hmm. We see what's in front of us. We evaluate what's in front of us. We Not me. <laughs> <laughs> some of us are naturally abstract thinkers. That would where, be the side I sit on. Yeah, you know, everything is, is more... Um, Metaphor yeah. and um, interpretation and often very not literal. Um, right, these are the people who tend to <laughs> yeah, come up with the very odd ideas out of nowhere seemingly. Yeah. You know, because their brain doesn't follow a linear path. It pings and pongs all over the place. Um, yeah, and one of the interesting things, I love this distinction between abstract and concrete. And I like that you're thinking about it in terms of how people think. Because I frequently talk about it in how things look or how we interpret something, like something right. is either abstract or concrete. Um, but there are, it's not a one over the other situation. No, I no, no, it's not it's, to say one's better than the other. fascinating, right. and they're both hugely but beneficial. What it is to say is that there are benefits to be gained from both. Yes. And if you always live in one camp, it's, it's helpful to explore the other camp, mm -hmm. to push yourself. Again, and into that which is it different. will be hard is an yeah. a good thing to say at the very beginning, that if you're a naturally concrete thinker, analyzing, accessing, thinking on the abstract side is going to be difficult. And if you are naturally abstract, you know, I have this problem because I am an abstract thinker. Math, in particular, is very, very difficult for me because math favors linear thinking. Right. Not to say I can't do math. And sometimes I do really well, and other times I don't. But I tend to think in a very kind of curly cue, roller coaster way. Pinball. A little pinball-ish, <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I definitely have a path, but because of, and I'm talking kind of not the super crazy high math stuff, but you know, like algebra type stuff, it definitely favors the here's step one, here's step two. You know, here's my mm -hmm. first idea, second mm -hmm. idea, third idea, conclusion, and then we're done. Um, you tend to do better thinking or running along that track, and because I'm not naturally inclined that way, it's not an area that comes easily for me. Right. So I have to work a lot harder to access that side. Right. So, so the opposite tends to be true with a lot of kids. They tend to be concrete mm -hmm. thinkers. And they have very deep amount of difficulty stepping into the world of abstract thought. Which is all well and good up to a point until you get to analysis. Mm -hmm. Evaluating something beneath its surface. Thinking of something metaphorically. Yeah. Not just relaying back, you know, okay, what's this story about? Well, I'll tell you the plot. Yeah, but, but what's it about? <laughs> Capital A about. Right. <laughs> what was the author trying to say? Right. Why is it worth reading? You know, these are things that, you know, you might get a lot of blank stares when you ask, those kinds of questions. Yeah, yeah. And this is an area wherein art can really begin yeah. to break down some of those walls. Yeah, and not to say I do not, I do have difficulty analyzing things too sometimes. Because <laughs> well, let's be honest, it's hard. Well, but, that's another thing you have to practice. Right. Um, but 
uh, some of my students who are very concrete thinkers and, and don't naturally understand metaphor or interpretation um, or kind of, I don't know. Thinking the, outside the box. Yeah. Thinking of something in a new way. And it, yeah, or explaining something in a, in a that figurative language, that's mm -hmm. what I was going for, that kind of artsy, what we tend to think of that artsy language. Poetical. Poetic, poetical. Yeah, that's right. People say it. I like it. <laughs> it flows. It flows. <laughs> Um, poetical things um, where you're not drawing straight conclusions of this thing equals this thing. You're sort of just laying something out and leaving it up to the reader to really dig beneath what is going on. And if you're not armed to go through that process or if you don't have the tools to approach that, you're going to find yeah, nothing. How, yeah, and how do you acquire those tools? Right. Well, art to the rescue. Mm-hmm. So, in both ways, it both helps you find tools and it can be the tool. Right. Yes. Um, so, so one of the things, let's, let's talk a little more explicitly here for a minute. Right. <laughs> we're being so, very abstract. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, so, so one of the things I love to do with kids is just kind of a basic color exercise to explore more abstract thought. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, have your, your uh, student pick a color, maybe their favorite, maybe, you know, just a basic color. So, you know, green. Um, then you start to push them into, okay, what do you think of when you think of green? Uh, well, um, things that are green. Perfect. Let's go with that. Okay, all right. It's a great so, place to start. What things are green? Um, trees. Trees are green. Gr grass. Grass, grass is, green. is green. Okay, so uh, maybe just like, what's a bigger word for that? Right. You know, maybe they'll get to the nature woods. Maybe they'll get to nature. Yeah, outside. Maybe outside, you know, whatever. Push them. Push them every time. Um, so then, talk about, like, can you think of any expressions that people use that has the word green in it? To be fair, this is a complicated question yeah. because if um, if you're not familiar with a lot of idioms right. or expressions, right. you're not necessarily going to pull yeah, this out. Yeah, this may or may not go somewhere. But. Sometimes we've done this, and this reminds me of if you happen to be talking about idioms or talking about expressions mm -hmm. or you just heard mm -hmm. one, this is great. It's a, a different way to segue into it rather than just start with the color. Right. Instead, start with the idiom that you might be talking right. about. For instance, she was green with envy. Right. Oh, well, what do we think? Why would he say that? Right. So, or um, you know, her, her she she ate a bad shrimp, and and within a half an hour, her whole face turned green. Right. Which is an interesting one because that's a that's a great case where that you will probably encounter a lot things like that where it's a description, and it is on one level a very a straightforward. It's very concrete on one level. Yeah, her face turned green. It's kind of greenish. What does that mean? What, what do they say There's with that one else. phrase? What do you now know? Right. So there you are digging beneath the surface, and you're doing it. You know, in this whole color exercise. Okay, her face is green. What do you think if you saw someone with a green face? Now, a human being. It could mean they're from. You know, Mars. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Alien. That's yeah, a good color for aliens. Yeah. That's another thing I might think little of. Little green, green guys. Green yeah, green. like yeah. yeah. But um, but if somebody said, you know, my, my sister's face turned green, what would you think was going on with your sister? Well, now, some of my students would tell me that their sister was an alien. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so here you can start to see that you're having this great, really rich conversation 
around art because color being this piece of art and you don't haven't necessarily actually done any art which is mm -hmm. kind of cool where you it's just, this is a, a brief side note but how art can be a part of things without you having to get out the paints and the yeah. brushes and but, the things. But you but, know, you could start this whole color exercise with handing them, oh, okay, you chose green. Uh, let's open the box of 64 crayons. You know, which Ooh, green are you thinking? The big of? green one. Yeah, make a big green square. Let's, let's make a square on this piece of paper. Yeah. All right. What might be that color? <laughs> so, you know, you can launch it with something like that. Yeah, true. As well. Yeah. Um, so, but you can see that there's, there's a lot of avenues for getting bridging between art and language arts and, and really building this strong thing because where they can go from here is once you've talked about the fact that, okay, maybe green represents nature and growing and maybe new life, right? We get spring green is a very, you know, this, this burgeoning sort of color. Um, I just really like the word burgeoning. But <laughs> it was good. It was good. <laughs> um, but you can also get, okay, envy is this, this color of, of, um, jealousy and it's an aggressive color at the same time it means sickness it can mean things aren't right they're not quite how they should be um you can also get greed you know with this maybe yeah maybe color if you have an money. older an older student they might realize oh you know money money is good. yeah well american money yeah right right yeah i had a student <laughs> that was doing this with who lives in canada and canadian dollars are are not green and i was briefly thrown off because I was getting to this whole greed concept and it was a great conversation and then all of a sudden she went, money, money isn't that color. <laughs> oh, uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, but uh, um, culture does dictate a sure. lot of these color associations. Yeah. Well, culture actually dictates almost everything yeah. when you get into the abstract, you know, and you really do have to help your kids provide context around whatever your exercise is. Yeah, that's true. Context is the huge part. If you just said green without then leading into that conversation, it's it's and almost purposeless. And, yeah. I mean you get you really need that conversation, that context around it. Because then you can take this whole drawing, color, painting, whatever exercise, the conversation that happened, and then start applying it back into their language arts. Now when they're writing, let's say they're doing maybe like a creative writing piece and you're trying to get them to use more figurative language, more similes, more metaphors, well, okay, they're writing about something outside and they now understand the concept of a green thumb. Well, they can include that in their writing now and you can point that out to them and, and or the, um, they're picking a setting for something or you're talking about the setting of a story and it's happening in the spring. Well, you just had this great conversation all about the color green and how springtime might represent this new right. green. And in a way to deepen that conversation, the, you know, okay, if, if you get lucky and they say, oh, green makes me think of spring. Yeah. Okay. How does spring right. make you feel? Yes. So then you can go that even one more step, or if you're reading a book where in spring is happening, well, why did the author choose that? And how does that then get into your feelings about what's yeah. happening in the story? It's yeah. new life. It's it's out with the old, in with the new kind of idea. Things and, are blooming. Right. Things are, yeah, warming up, you know. And you can they, have. And you can also have the contrasting conversation of what do, you, what do you think you'd feel if this same scene happened in the winter? Exactly. Yes. So that's where, yeah, you can get, you can start building these contrasting conversations of, which can really be helpful if your initial conversation of, well, why did it happen in the spring? It results in blank stares and, you know, oh, 
which is a fair response. Um, <laughs> but if you start adding these contrasts of, well, okay, we talked all about these colors and these colors and, and different seasons and different associations that are then within that, let's throw it in. What if it were in the heat of summer? What if it were in fall? What if it were in winter? You know, what if everything was blues and grays and dark, ugly browns and just barren and kind of <laughs> Like, it's a completely different setting. That's analysis. There it is. <laughs> right. And all from, you know, exploring the eye, the concept of color. Right. Which you, you'd be surprised how many stories you can read where you can pull some color references out oh of my it gosh. and maybe explore those. Color deeper. is everywhere. I always tell my students when we're reading that authors do everything on purpose. There's nothing accidental when you're reading, except for the occasional typo, which we can forgive them for. But, um, you know, there's there's a reason that they referred to, you know, this or described this room as being green. There's a reason that the young girl who just showed up in the is wearing a yellow dress. You know, there's a reason that these little details are brought up and you as the reader, your job is to find them and start picking them apart and just deciding why those decisions were made. You decide and if you choose to do some character analysis through drawing that we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. you might deepen that character drawing through the addition of color. Yeah. So what colors yeah. would you choose for your character to wear? And why? Right. Let's not just choose pink because it's your favorite color. We're yeah. drawing a character. What would their favorite color what be? What their would favorite they color wear? Be? What would yeah. they wear? Oh, my character likes to hide in the woods. So my character's going to wear browns and greens. Right. Why? Oh, because. Yeah, know, because, so. yeah. And then here you have this entire character breakdown of, of all these details, things that you might access through just writing or just conversation, but here you can have it's gonna be a lot more this avenue, art. right, that focused learning opportunity mm -hmm. coming in again. Okay, so we talked about a couple different things, right, and, and a great, um, or the color exercise is a, a fantastic Avenue. Um, I don't know if you had any other like kind of quick exercises that would be good to, to yeah, throw couple, out there. Yeah, a couple things come to mind. One is um, this is a product that actually Claire created that's <laughs> on our website um, that uh, we call Letters Two. Um, that is a great exercise again in that sort of from the concrete to the abstract, mm -hmm. moving your kids along that spectrum, getting them to understand the difference. Uh, so it starts with um, a, a letter writing activity and moves to a graphic storytelling aspect. Yeah. So there's writing and drawing going on together. And it's and it's a little bit guided, but not you know there's no heavy rules to no. it. But but there is some structure so that you know they can get started and there's some samples and things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, and it and it the whole point of it is it moves kids through that whole spectrum of beginning to be. Starting with a concrete thought mm -hmm. and moving into an abstract expression of that. Yeah. And, is, and that back and forth and, and pairing mm -hmm. too. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you can talk about an area or a specific thing and you can talk about it both concretely and abstractly. And so being able to bounce back and forth and know which one you're currently doing and, and through that you can kind of figure out how you think naturally, which is cool. Um, to then kind of just understand about yourself. It's all mm -hmm. that growing as a person. Um, which is always a good thing. Yeah, and and we do have another one uh, that popped into my head too. Uh, in the um, 
in our book, Trees in the Forest, um, we, one of the chapters is about, uh, or includes an activity we call phrase trees, mm -hmm. which is uh, about, it's, it kind of creates a close reading opportunity right. for students, where if you're reading a text, and it can be um, at any level of complexity, as long as you can read, right. um, so anything from a first grade level on through high yeah. school and Knowledge, beyond. Knowledge, what do you want? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> never so, ending. <laughs> so you pick a passage that you like, you know, say just a random paragraph, and, and then within that, you start to tease out those sentences that really speak to you. Mm -hmm. And let yourself be poetic about that if you want to. Poetical? Poetical. So, so that... Um, you, um, the, the speak to you thing, just real quick. Sometimes I think we can get wrapped up in the, we have to find the quote-unquote really important moments. Mm -hmm. But I think speaking to you is a good way of putting it. But sometimes it's just, I just really like this sentence. I like this language. Yeah, I might not be old enough or have um, a good enough grasp of expressing why I like something. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that I do. And, and in this, for that activity in particular... That's all that you need. Right. It is, is that all that you need. That you Although, like it. that said, another thing that happens with that activity is people of all ages tend to gravitate to the sentences that really give you something. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, then that opens up a conversation of why Why do you like it, obviously. I mean, yes. Yes, go have that yes. conversation. But so it could be because it's beautiful language, which is worthy of celebrating okay. in and of itself. And it could be because this is a turning point in the mm -hmm. story, and I feel it. I feel it in it's my big. gut. It's big, yeah. yeah. So, so you pull out some sentences, and then you create a picture with those sentences. Mm -hmm. So you're literally putting the words on the page any way you want that helps Big writing, little writing. Right. Color. color. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we both say. Um, so, you know, somebody, if you feel this needs to be shouted, suddenly your words get bigger as you write They're that all capital line. letters and, and, or something. Yeah, or, or you're expressing someone's desire to pull into themselves. So that's what your words do. And they curve all around the page, which is a cool note that you're not drawing in the sort of traditional definition mm -hmm. of the word drawing mm -hmm. but writing artistically with word drawing with yeah. words i guess is, yes. is letting, a form of letting the words be visually expressed exactly. as well yeah. as verbally yes so, yeah yeah so it is drawing in this kind of unusual way which is a really neat really neat yeah way and there's some something. there's we we have some great examples in the book and, um, and most of them are student examples, and, and really uh, some amazing yeah. efforts that kids yeah. come up Surprising. with. Surprising, you know, these kids, some of these students that you would not expect to get very loose and open with this stuff, and they really, I think they really like that. Yes, and especially after they've done a couple of them, mm -hmm. or they've, you know, had a chance to see a couple of other people's, and they get into it more and more. Right, right. So a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, well, I guess everything we've talked about, kind of fits under the the big umbrella term of creativity. Yes. Right? This is all super, what I think most people would define as creative stuff. Yeah. Um, we haven't actually said the word creative. No, we, we haven't, which is out. interesting because that's probably one of the first words you think of right. when you think of art. Art and writing oh, and drawing. You have to be creative. Um, 
Which is actually, I'm glad that we haven't said it at yeah. all. Because I think there, there can sometimes be a little bit of a stigma around It can become creative. a barrier to like, actually Well, I'm not a creative things. person. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, first of all, that's bunk. But, yeah. <laughs> like, everybody's creative in some way, shape, or form. Um, and people like being creative yes. in whatever yeah. way it calls to them. It, it, it appeals to something internal. It's very human. Yeah, yes. that's what, yeah. yeah. It's just a, it's a need that even people who are not naturally inclined artistic. toward drawing or toward right. something like that or toward expressive language somewhere somehow there's something creative that that appeals to them whether it's viewing it or experiencing it or creating it right um but anytime you bring this up and this kind of goes back to this critic conversation a little bit of there are enemies of creativity oh sure which is a really dramatic sentence and I love it <laughs> just for that. It's a very dramatic way of talking the enemies of creativity. Like, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they are good things to be aware of. So that moving forward, trying to pull art into what you're doing, looking for avenues to do that. Um, and opportunities. And opportunities. Yeah. That they don't, they don't, you don't get snagged or these pitfalls that can come up. Um, and one of the biggest ones, and I think it's probably the one that snags us the most, mm -hmm. is time. Right. Which we all know, time is it's terrible. It's the enemy of everything. Yes. <laughs> um, but it speaks to the fact that you have to be intentional mm -hmm. about wanting to do this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That if you go, oh, yeah, putting art in my language, right, that, that sounds neat. I, yeah, I'll try that. It's not going to happen. Right. It, it needs to be a deliberate choice. You need to schedule it. Right. You need to know that, okay, the next time we're reading a book, we're going we're to evaluate a character yeah. in this way. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that every time something spontaneous comes up, you go, no, 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 that wasn't planned. Don't put the pencil down. Like, that's yeah, not no, that. Because no. we love spontaneity so much, <laughs> especially spontaneous art. Um, but, but you do have to intentionally be open to it and looking for ways to bring it in. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about a few here, and we have a lot of stuff that we try to give you guys that that help with that. But... I mean, they're everywhere. There are opportunities everywhere. And the goal it, for us is to give you confidence and flexibility to, to see them and pull them in. So the more intentional you are about your time in, in being open to that, the more it's going to actually happen. Right. And so then there's the whole... Slave that enemy. Yes. <laughs> uh, done. Done. Uh, then there's the whole lack of confidence thing, um, which can take a lot of different forms. Um, you can have... A fear that you're going to be criticized, right? Um, Both internally people, or externally, right? Right, and that will keep you from ever picking up a pencil. I think that is a one that comes up with a lot of of students that I've seen, where it's the they do actually like art, they like mm -hmm. to draw, they mm -hmm. like to sing, they like to whatever. Oh, there, kind there have of been all kinds of studies done about the fact that you know, up to a certain age, kids are so free. Yeah, they're and they're so willing. You give them a crayon, they're gonna scribble all over a piece of paper with it, and they're gonna enjoy yeah. every moment of that. And then at some point, they're looking over at, a at, at Johnny yeah. there, and Johnny's drawn a great looking person, and I can't draw a person like that. Huh. Yeah. And then they sink into that, sometimes never to be climbed out of pit. Which is awful. And yeah. That's, like, that's heartbreaking. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, and I think the big sword against that enemy, right, is is that, like we were saying, the inner critic yeah, conversation. Replace, replace your inner critic. Work on it. Recognize it for what it is. Shut it down. <laughs> replace it the way you shut it down. And yeah. by replacing it with more productive. Right. 
Which internal dialogue? That's easy to say if you, you know, as well, not easy. <laughs> it's easy to say, <laughs> but um, it's easier to say as an adult, as someone who might recognize it. But for mm-hmm. a kid, that's really tough. So one of the ways you can kind of help them start to do that is by you doing it externally to to mm-hmm. them, where mm-hmm. you're saying, okay, I recognize how you feel about your drawing. Here's what I think of your drawing, and it's not. I mean, being positive and being complimentary is a good thing, but it's not just it's not, complimentary. It's not false compliments. Right. It's you know, look. Look what you did. You you didn't think that you could draw a character at all. And yet I can see yeah. when I look at this that this character is happy. Right. So it's finding the specifics, so that's right? Interesting. Yeah. Those very I, specific I can also compliments. see this this character is carrying a spear. Ooh, what's that about? <laughs> you know, I mean <laughs> whatever. You you focus on very specific things that that the student has done well in expressing some aspect of that character. Right. And that, of course, is the dialogue you want to help them develop, uh, yeah. is how do I express more things about right. my character? And Not the fact that, wow, these hands don't look like hands. Right. Who cares? <laughs> you draw a circle for a hand. Who cares? What you care is what's in the hand. What's it doing? Right. Which is, if you're helping them with that external dialogue, the theory being, of course, that eventually their internal dialogue is starting to reflect that as well. Right. Um, so, ha, slave that one too. Done. <laughs> um, so, uh, kind of the, the fourth one, or fourth, I can't count, the third would be um, procrastination, which is a huge problem everywhere with all things all the time. Right. That we put things off. Um, it goes back to the time idea that being active, being intentional in wanting to do this kind of stuff, in really pursuing it, that will keep you on top of it and will keep you going. So, you know, the, the great procrastination beast we all know about. Right. <laughs> Don't even let it in the door. <laughs> <laughs> or shoot it back out. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> um, and, then, and then that leads us to perfectionism, mm. which is kind of plays back again to these same ideas of, well, I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all. Or I start to do a drawing, but I spend more time erasing than I actually do putting lines on Which brings up an interesting point that that with writing, I feel like we build up a lot of, you know you have to edit your writing. You know that you wrote one thing and it was good and now we're going to write something different or something new or something better, being the theory, Um, or the hope, I guess. Um, So we recognize in writing that that's a very common Mm -hmm. activity. Mm But for whatever reason, someone in drawing, we get hung up on the, well, I spent hours working on this. I spent a ton of time dedicated to doing this, and it is not right. right. And I am very upset by yeah, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. You know, what do I do about that? Well, you know, one thing is throw away, start over. True. Another it's thing sad. is, yeah, well, I mean, if you're really talking about art to be on display, whatever, right, you have right. to be willing to do that. It's true. That but, is true. But if you're so hung up on every single stroke that you make, right. every single thing that you put on paper has to be perfect, you're never going to get there. Which is where we have to start equating it back to writing with that same, like, bits and pieces of writing, bits and pieces of drawing. Sure. And, and the, the, there is no real judgment going on here. Right. This is you writing for your sake. This is you drawing for this your sake. This is you attempting to express something. Right. And you're doing it with a pencil in your hand in either case. In either case. Yeah, it's true. Um, so kind of that's, that I feel like is a perfectionism. It definitely links to that inner critic idea, but it, it sneaks mm-hmm. up on you in a lot of ways and is an ongoing battle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Not to end on kind of a... No, actually, actually what I wanted to do for our listeners is talk about the fact that um, we've mentioned some of these things. We do have things out there to help you. If you've not attempted to roll some art into your language arts, mm-hmm. you might be going, uh, okay, but I'm really not sure what to do. So, so we did mention some things that would give you a little bit of guidance. One is our book, Trees in the Forest, Growing Readers and Writers Through Deep Comprehension. There are a couple of art activities mm-hmm. in that book mm-hmm. uh, to help with growing comprehension. And then there's Explore Story, um, which is a separate little book that um, is kind of a journal for drawing and writing and character development. Yeah, kids particularly like that one because you can follow it like through your whole like school year of reading or, you know, years of reading. Right, right. You could it's have... It's a neat progression. Yes. It's like filling out a diary almost, but it's kind of this diary of, of what I've read and yeah. by analyzing. It's an analysis diary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then there's the Letters 2 product that's on our website. And there's also, um, we did some little, very brief stick figure videos. They're free. They're on our YouTube mm-hmm. channel um, that talk about, okay, I can't draw. <laughs> but I want to draw a character. I should be drawing a character. So it talks about this idea of stick figures and how stick figures can actually be really expressive. Yeah. So um, it Much walks more than you through. Give them credit for it. Yeah. It's three or four videos. And yeah. It walks you through kind of just a basic stick stick figure, how to add to it, how to kind of flesh it out a little bit, make it a little more. Uh, and it's actually me teaching Rita, right? Um, who always is saying, I can't draw, I can't draw. So, well, it's so. the self-proclaimed artist teaching the self-proclaimed un-artist, right. I guess, yeah, which is fabulous. Right, and she makes incredible progress in the course of about 15 minutes. Yeah, it's pretty so, amazing, yeah. actually. So watch those. And her attitude has totally changed, yeah. which is totally, I, that's <laughs> awesome. That, I mean, she's much more... It's, it's what we were talking about. Well, this was kind of fun. Yeah, her, the, her internal dialogue has shifted. Yes. I mean, because of that, which is really neat. Yeah. So take a look at those things if you're of a mind, and good luck. Uh, hopefully you'll take some of this to heart and try some art. That's right. <laughs> hey, that rhymed. I love it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening so much. Uh, be sure to follow us, give us a like, give us a comment on whatever forum you might be listening or watching. We really appreciate the time uh, you've given to us and we hope that we have given you guys some great stuff to take home, take into your school, take wherever you want it, I guess. Um, And uh, a big thank you for that. Bye, everyone. As a thank you for listening to the Rooted In podcast, use the promo code SEASON2 on our website for 15% off. That's the promo code SEASON2, S-E-A-S-O-N, the number 2, for 15% off at rootedinlanguage.com.